Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. I have a question for you this morning. That when it comes to following Christ, are you a disciple or are you a Christian? Because there's a difference between being a disciple and a Christian. Disciple is something totally different than what a Christian is. In fact, if you check the word, you find out that Jesus never referred to any of his followers as Christians. But he did refer to them as disciples. He never invited you to become a Christian. He did invite us to become followers and disciples. And we have reduced what Jesus did on the cross into coming to church. Maybe attend a class, be involved in a ministry, give a tithe, give an offering. And we call that following Christ. This morning, I want to challenge that conception. I want to challenge that thought. And where does this come from? You know, I, I, I was reading an article this week, and it had a little video clip. And I haven't read the book, but it, it, there was a book written by a, a man by the name, I think his name was Keith uh, Inman uh, or Eidelman, on Not a Fan. And it was a book that was referring that Jesus never wanted fans, he wanted followers. That Jesus was never looking for people to be excited about who he was. He wanted people to follow who he was and what he did. And they showed an interview that what caused him to write a book was he was a pastor. And he had a young man that got so so, so radically transformed, so radically saved. That all of a sudden he got involved in ministry, started going out feeding the homeless, found himself taking every, every resource he had to make a difference in lives of people. And his mom, who had been praying that he would get saved, came to the pastor. She had been in church for years, came to the pastor and said, you know, you got to talk to my son. He's gone overboard. He's gone overboard on this religious thing. He's, he's totally went over the top. And he's gotten so crazy in this, he needs to operate in this Jesus thing with a little more moderation. And whenever you find someone that follows Jesus, not comes to church, follows Jesus, you will find that they live a life that is so much more radical than the average Christian that it can be offensive to our comfortable way of living. Stand to your feet as we first start off in John chapter 13. Let's lay our, our, get our scriptures down and share, share a little insight of what the word has for us this morning. Amen. John 13, if you're there, say amen. Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's about to go to the cross. And I shared the scripture with you last week about what is the evidence that we are a disciple or a follower of Christ. It says, Verse 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I, as, as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It will prove to the world that you are 
my disciples, all based on love. And you know that if we loved one another, if we loved God with all our heart and we loved one another, we wouldn't have to worry about trying to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Those two commandments fulfill all Ten Commandments. By love. Everyone say love. Characterized by love. Father, help in Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. Now, I want you to do, do your best on, on, you know, some of you maybe not have, haven't been raised in church. Others of you, you know, you, you started coming here because you like the music. Uh, there's other people that, that have come here because another church got you mad. And so another pastor got you mad. And so now you're here and then it'll be a little while before I get you mad and you, you know. And so anyhow, this morning, if, if I say something or there's something that is mentioned that strikes your heart, I want you to do your best and give me your best, either religious, amen, or mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a preach it, pastor. I need to know that you're engaged this morning, okay? And if you were, you know, maybe you were raised in the Nazarene or the more, more of a Methodist style church, and the best you can do is this. <laughs> just, just, we'll work with that, okay? I see you doing the bobblehead. I know that you're, you're, you're connected, okay, that you're with me on this. But I, I'm taking you somewhere this morning, okay? This has the ability, this message really, I believe, has the ability to set us free. It'll either set you free or it'll set you back. Because you're not going to be able to be the same after you hear this this morning. There, there are those messages that you know that God gives you that you need to share in a manner that is, uh, you know, uh, we, we go, to the, we go to, the, to the shooting range sometimes, me, Pastor Matt, and couple of pastors we go there and we're, we're, we're sitting there with our nines or our forties or whatever and you're just in forty caliber not 40s okay <laughs> I know the way some, some of you are like yeah pastor yeah <laughs> that's how I want to talk so yeah, we're, we're there you know and when you're shoot when you're shooting a handgun you're, you're trying to get your groupings together and you know we're just, just trying every so often though pastor Matt or I will bring our shotguns and when you bring the shotgun up you don't even need a target and the reason why is when you have the target up there, when you're shooting with the, with the single, sing, you're just, you're looking, you get, makes a little hole. You got the big old target there, it leaves a little hole. But when you shoot a shotgun, after two shots, the target's gone. It's, it's totally destroyed. I mean, the thing is gone. And we went one time with Pastor Matt to shoot, and he destroyed the frame that the target actually sat on as well. Remember that? The outdoor one? Pastor Matt. With firearms. This morning isn't a, I'm not, I'm not here to, to do this. I, I'm, I'm bringing out the, the, the double barrel this morning. Because after a couple points, you're, you're going to know where we're going with this thing. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to leave a mark. See, society's become familiar with this thing called Christianity, but not the Christ that we say we represent. Over 43,000 denominations of Christianity are, exist in, in the world today. Not America, the world. 43,000. 
Which means that there's a group that believes in the Holy Spirit, a group that doesn't. A group that believes in Jesus only, a group that doesn't. There's a group that believes you speak in tongues, a group that doesn't. A group that believes in once saved, always saved, a group that doesn't. And so as each group starts developing a different idea, a different concept, and a different focal point of the word, they break off and start another group, another sect. And so you don't just have Christian, you have Christianity where it's... to, to even, uh, to, hey, are you a Christian? Or do you serve, you know, uh, what church do you go to? We have to, uh, we have to justify or we have to clarify what church do you go to? Well, I go to the Fifth uh, Assembly, Fifth, uh, you know, the Fifth Baptist Church. Or they're, they're, Why is there five? Why is there first? Why is there second? Why is there third? You got all these different uh, variations of churches and variations of beliefs and variations of, of, uh, of doctrines that we come up with and that we agree, yet one Bible. One Lord. And so if there's only one Lord, what's going on here? And so society has become very familiar with this term Christian or Christianity. And many of us, and I guarantee you, you could be at a club on Friday night sitting next to someone that is partying down and mention, you know, I'm a Christian. And that same person that just got done cussing out someone on the dance floor will turn to you and tell you, well, so am I. I had an uncle that would do, that would get, he, he, was, he was an evangelist when he got drunk. He would sit at the bar and he would just start, he would start sharing Christ with people at the bar. You know, you really need to stop doing this. You're better than this. Jesus can change your life. And he would preach. Yet the Bible says there's going to be many on that day that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, your worker of iniquity, for the place prepared for the devil and his angels, for I never knew you. Not knew you at one time. Never knew you. And so there's going to be a, this, this, I think there's going to be the shock of people that are, that, that are coming to church, that we're, we're, we're coming, we're coming to a service, we're, we're, we're giving our money, we're involved in our time, but are we really followers of Christ? Now you're, you're doing good, thank you. You got, got, got a couple nods back there, appreciate the nod, you know, appreciate the nod. In fact, let, let me put it to you this way. David Bowie just passed away recently, correct? And he was on, he was on Ellen DeGeneres a while back, and they, 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 they were interviewing him, and this is what he said. He said this, I was young and fancy free, and a Tibetan Buddhist, uh, Buddhist appealed to me at that time. So when he was young, he got into Buddhism and so forth. And he said, I thought there was salvation, and it really, it, it really didn't work. Then I went through Nietzsche, Satanism, Christianity, pottery and ended up singing it's been a long road he said wait 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 a minute satanism christianity pottery satanism christianity pottery there's something wrong with this picture. Because when, when Christianity is looked at as something that is just lumped in with, with, with another belief of Satanism or, or even a hobby of something that we do, I need you to understand that it's lost really what Jesus intended Christianity to really be. 
Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. You see, I need you to understand that Christianity has become uh, Christianity is something that you that you do, but a disciple is someone that you are. Let me explain this to you a bit more. See, many of us, we can call ourselves and have a label of a Christian and not love anyone. But you can't be a disciple of Jesus and not have love for everyone. And somewhere along the way where we, we've gotten a label of Christian or Christianity and identified with a certain uh, systematic style of beliefs or what Jesus said or what Jesus did, and yet we've never actually followed him. Christ, Christian means Christ-like, and yet how many Christians are truly Christ-like? In fact, we only find three times where the word Christian is even used in the word of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that we stop saying that we're Christians. But the only time that we see, the, the three times we see, the first time it's mentioned in Acts 26, 1126, where Paul has gone to a city. They've established a church there. And it's in the city of Antioch. And what's, it's a great story because the city of Antioch was developed, was established by a Greek a leader by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. And this guy was such a brutal, brutal leader that he, he tried to wipe out the Jewish people. In fact, even offered a pig sacrifice in the temple of God and tried to get them to eat of that sacrifice and partake and poured pig urine on the altar of God when he did this. He tried to wipe out the name of God. And yet, all these years later, it's in the city that he establishes that the people are first known as Christians. The irony of God, that this very guy that tried to wipe out God's name is the very place that people are first known as Christians in his city. Now, now that, that was, that, that's neither here nor there, but it says, and the disciples were, first called, were, were called Christians first in Antioch. But I want you to understand, Jesus never invited us to become Christians, but he did invite us to be followers and disciples. In fact, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, and this is what Jesus, this is his last words to us. And so it's important, I, I encourage you to write down these notes, or for those of you listening on podcasts right now, that you take time to write these notes down and do some study on this on your own. Don't take my word for it, but go in and begin to research and begin to break the word down yourself and find this out. Verse 18, this is what we call the Great Commission. And Jesus came and told his disciples, and what, his Christians, his members, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, as a result, because I have all, all authority, therefore, go and make members. Go and make Christians. Go and make disciples of all nations. That means every skin color, every language, every continent, that we are to go out and make disciples, followers of Christ on every continent. He goes on and says this, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these things to new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So what is Jesus talking about? What's the difference between a Christian and a disciple? First thing I want you to recognize is this. Christian or Christianity is, belief on, is based on belief. 
You know, I'm a Christian. I believe this. I believe Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again. But discipleship is based on behavior. When I'm a disciple, it's not just what I believe, but it's what I do. And many people say they believe a certain thing, but it's your actions that really believe, that that really show what you believe. Come on, somebody. Christianity has many variations. You got, like I told you before, you got those that drink, those that don't. You got those that party, those that don't. You got those that are holy, those that aren't. You got those that wear long dresses, those that don't. You got, I mean, you got all kinds of variations when it comes to Christianity, but disciples don't have variations. There, there's only one disciple, one, ki- one kind of disciple. Christianity believes in Jesus where disciples follow Jesus. One is passive, the other is active. Are you following me? Some of you are already turning me off because you know where this is going. You've already checked out. Pastor, I just want to be a Christian. I I ain't down with that disciple stuff. Just just let me come to church and stay in my my own little world right here. Let me do my thing. A disciple, the, the, the Greek word means pupil, learner, or disciple. Disciple means student or apprentice. In Jesus' day, the disciple literally meant to be a follower. That meant this. You had a teacher, and wherever the teacher went, their job was to follow the teacher. That's all they did. They followed. And whatever and the goal of being a disciple was to become like the teacher. So for us to follow Christ, but not become like him, is asinine. It makes no sense. It doesn't match up. But yet you could be a Christian and not be Christ-like, but you cannot be a disciple and not be Christ-like. I want you to follow me on what's taking place here. The whole point of a follower is to become like a leader. And and what Jesus is saying, when he invites us to be like him, he's like, hey, man, even greater works than these shall you do. Jesus didn't invite us to be just like him. He invited us to become even greater than him in the things that we do. Now, Now, follow me. When Jesus, in the book of Matthew, Matthew tells a story of when Jesus calls the disciples. This is really cool, okay? The the disciples had been fishing. They come back in, and all the fishing boats. Now, realize they're not out there fishing, hanging out, just just dropping a line. This is their business. This is their company. This is where they work. And so Jesus goes to where they work. Come on, somebody. they, They pull up to the beach at the Sea of Galilee, and they're washing their nets. They're getting their nets ready for the next day of fishing. While they're doing so, they're mending the nets. Everyone say mending. They're mending the nets, finding any holes in the nets. They're putting them together so that way the next day they go out, they don't end up losing any of the fish that they're going to catch. So they're mending nets. They're putting it all together. And while they're doing so, that word mending is the same word we find in the book of, uh, the book of Ephesians where it says, And he gave some to be pastors, apostles, and prophets, and evangelists, and pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. That word means to mend, to make whole, to put together, to make perfect. And that's what, what, what they were doing. They're making their nets perfect. And in the process of doing so, Jesus is walking by. And he looks at them and says, come and follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. 
And if you read the book of Matthew, you got, you, you got Peter and Andrew, John and James, and Jesus just happens to be walking by at their business, goes to their insurance company, where you're a broker, comes up and says, hey, come and you'll be, give people real life insurance. You'll give them me. And so they drop everything they do and they walk and they follow Jesus. That's amazing. You read that, you're like, how did these guys do that? You imagine the conversation Peter had when he went home to his wife? Quit my job today. He did what? I, I quit my job today. Uh, well, what, what are you doing? I'm following some guy named Jesus. <laughs> but what, Jesus, what, where, where's, where, where's his office at? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just, he was just walking the beach today, and he just told me to follow him, so I'm following him now. <laughs> but what's the job description? I don't have one. Uh, where's he live? Uh, he said the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, <laughs> but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So you left your job to follow this guy. How much are you getting paid? We didn't talk, we didn't talk about, uh, is there a retirement package? Well, no, I don't know about that. Or, you know, we didn't even get that far. He said, come follow, and I just took off after him. And he didn't even say anything about that. Well, how about health care? What about the family? We got kids, Peter. We, we, read, we read this and we think, man, how, how did these guys go after Jesus in such a manner? And, and how many look at that and think, man, just by blind faith these, that these guys ran after God. But listen, I, 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 I want to submit something to you, to you ultra-spiritual people. That's not what Jesus did. How many know there's four Gospels? And each Gospel gives you another slice, another glimpse of what takes place. Matthew doesn't tell us what took place before this. Matthew doesn't give us insight on what took. All Matthew gives us is when they're on the shore. But you go to the book of Luke, and Luke, Luke, Matthew's gospel would have us believe that by blind faith he jumped in. But look at Luke's gospel. You read this on your own time in Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 tells us this, that they were fishing all night. They caught nothing. And Jesus is walking on that same beach and says, if you caught anything... Nope. Cast your nets on the other side. What? Like all the fish are hanging out on the right side of the boat. And we've missed them all night. They're all congregated on this side. And if we just throw our net on the other side, all of a sudden, we're going to just catch a bunch of fish. Just doesn't make sense. Yet when Jesus said that, Peter responds, Master, acknowledging Jesus' authority. Master, at your word, we will do so. And so they went back. They they were coming in. They had caught nothing. They throw the nets back out. And as a result, there is such a huge catch of fish that Peter has to summon all the other boats in the area to help them bring the fish in. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. So you're not catching this. The thing you're missing, the thing you're missing is this. What was was Peter? He's a fisherman. What was his business? fish Jesus just blessed his business the economy just jumped up the stock market just rallied when Jesus showed up all of a sudden the housing prices went up because Jesus came in the area you got paid Jesus showed up and the business got blessed and check this out Peter still wasn't following Jesus yet 
God blesses you. Now, there's some of you, you're not even serving God. And God's given you a raise. He's given you promotion. He's given you a family. He's given you a house. He's given you a car. He's blessed you, and he's blessed you, and he's blessed you. And yet, in that process, you still don't acknowledge him. But God doesn't bless you because you're good. He blesses you because he's good. As a result of that, look, look, what, Pete, look what Peter says in, in verse 8 of chapter 5 of the book of Luke. Go back and read all of chapter 5. And when Simon Peter realized what happened, he's, he's pulling in the nets. And these things are just filled up and they're, they're, they're overflowing. He fell at his knees before Jesus and said, oh, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Do, do you know that Jesus has showed up? Because most people, when you confront them about what's going on, Jesus didn't say, you know, the Lord's telling me right now that you're, you're a sinner. God just gave me a word, you're a sinner. And uh, you blow things up at the, at the shooting range. Totally destroy the, the wood around the frame. Jesus didn't do that. I've heard Chris Valentin say that it doesn't take a prophet to point out the sins of a sinner. It takes a man or woman of God to point out the good in someone that has got, got bad in their life. It takes someone to be able to see the good in you, not just the bad. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't say it. He blesses them. And yet Peter's a sinner. And when he gets blessed, Peter sees a blessing. He falls down and he begins to confess. You know God showed up when you begin to confess that you're not worthy of the blessings that God has given to you. Many times we get blessed or someone else gets blessed and you're like, oh man, they don't deserve that. Shoot, I should have got that. Why did they get the car? Shoot, I've been going to church longer than they have. I know they ain't tithing. I saw their report back at the back table. I saw their name back there, and I know they're not giving that much. And they're getting, why are they getting blessed? That, that's when you have an encounter with God, you're not worried about anyone else. You're focusing in on the things that are going on in your own life. And he says this, he says, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. It was the fish. It was a blessing God gave him. He's like, never seen so many fish. And his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Now when they reach shore, Jesus is walking by. And he says, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they follow. That make a lot more sense. He said, dude, if this guy can catch men the way he caught them fish, I don't worry about how much they're paying. Because this guy can catch fish, he can catch doves, he can catch cows, he can catch, this guy can catch anything. This guy, there's something about him that we want to follow him. Being a follower of Christ should cause people around you to want to follow Jesus as well. Peter's encounter with Jesus transformed his business and his economic standing. 
And what's a, what's a trip is that Jesus, and I shared this already, that Jesus blesses Peter even before Peter chooses to follow him. Jesus doesn't say, follow me, and then say, okay, now cast your net on the other side. He blesses him, then says, follow me. So it's not a matter of many of you are like, well, I don't need God. I'm blessed already. You better, you, you better rephrase that. Because where do you think the blessing came from? So I have a question for you. Two questions before we close this morning. Number one. Can you call yourself a follower of Christ if you don't follow him? Getting personal right now. Are you a follower of Christ today? And if you would answer yes, my next question to you would be this. Then does that mean you're following him? Actively pursuing him. Because the goal of a follower is to become like his teacher. Secondly, based on your lifestyle. Oh, come on now. Ow. Don't go there. I want to be a Christian, but you're making it hard. I want to like this church, but you're making it difficult right now. Don't go there. Based on your lifestyle, are you a follower of Christ? Husband, the way you speak to your wife, are you a follower of Christ? Wives, the way you speak to your kids and your husband, are you a follower of Christ? Businessman, the way you do business, are you a follower of Christ? Auto mechanic, the way you fix cars, are you a... Are you selling what people need or are you selling what makes you the commission? Are you a follower of Christ? See, it's easy to say that we love God, that we're Christians, but you can't be a disciple if you're not following. As I close this morning, I want you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 14. This is going to get really, really personal right here. You know, when you read the words that Jesus spoke, it's like, how did we get it so wrong? How did, how did we miss this? Luke chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus starts off. We're, we're going to go through quite a few scriptures here, but a large crowd is following. Everyone say following. They're, they're following Jesus. Why? Because he just got done feeding these folks. People will go anywhere where there's free stuff. Come on. I don't care how much money you got. You could be rich. You could be, but they, you see free, you, you're, what's, what's over there? Don't even need it, but you're, you, you know, you should see us in the morning when we're handing out food for, to, to those that are in need and so forth. You just, we got people driving up in Lexuses for, for food. Like, hey, you drive a better car than I do. Oh, let's not go there. I'm getting bitter. Okay. <laughs> Jesus says to the crowd that's following him, 
Now, now most pastors wouldn't do this. Why? Because pastors want crowds. Jesus wasn't concerned about crowds. He wanted followers. Followers can change the world. Crowds can't. Followers get together for a purpose. Crowds just get together for events. If you want to be my disciple, well, here it goes. You must hate everyone else by comparison. Whoa. Hey, Jesus, easy. Your love, remember? You love everyone? Remember, God is love. They'll know that you're my disciples by their... And now you're telling me to hate? But look, look what he says. You must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Some of you husbands, I'm sorry, pastor said I can't, I can't hang with you no more. Sorry, I just don't like you anymore. In fact, I hate you. Pastor told me, got to hate you. It's not what he's saying. He's saying that your love for God should be so amazingly strong that your love for others looks like hate in comparison. That when you compare the two side by side, that your love for God is so bright, it makes every other love look dark. That's what Jesus is saying. And he goes on and says, otherwise you can't be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross you can't and follow me, you can't be my disciple. He's given them standards. He's given them what, 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 the, what the responsibilities are. In verse 28 through 30, he begins to break it down that if you're building a building, before you even start building that building, you stop and you figure out how much is it going to cost to build this building. Do I have enough to finish it? Because if I don't, then people are going to make fun of me that he laid the foundation, but he couldn't get the building done. Many of you got married and you laid a foundation or so you thought, but then the marriage fell apart because you never counted the cost that you had to act like a married person instead of a single person after you got married. You took a job without realizing that you actually have to work in order to get paid. And so we do things without taking time to count the cost. Jesus simply is saying this at the end of verse 30. Just simply saying this. Think about, think about it before making a commitment to me. He's telling the crowd. He has a huge crowd of followers. Listen, before, before you, hey, hey, I want to follow you. Wait, hold, 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 hold on a second. I want to be part of the church. Hold on a second. I want to give my all. Just, just chill. Just hang, just hang for a second. Think about this. Are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to step across the line? Because following me means something. Following me is going to cost you something. And are you willing to be a follower of mine? Are you happy with the label Christian? As I close this morning, 
What will it cost you to follow Jesus? Right now, just think. What relationships, what habits, what attitudes, what practices, what hobbies, what people do we need to step away from? Because you got to remember, Jesus even said, narrow is a road and wide is the gate. Narrow is a road that leads to life and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. When you you start following after God, there's going to be some people that aren't going to want to follow after you anymore. Can you deal with that? Or do you have to be popular? What do you have to give up? What's it going to cost you to follow Jesus? What's a trip is this, is that I want you to understand that you are saved by grace. Don't walk it. This isn't a saved by works message I'm preaching. You are saved by grace. But you are marked as a follower of Christ by your lifestyle. My lifestyle proves that I am a, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. And, but what, what blows me away is this. Those men that stood on that beach all those years earlier, Jesus has died on the cross, rose again. They experienced it firsthand. Now themselves find themselves. Peter being crucified on an upside down cross because he said, I'm not worthy to die the kind of death that Jesus died. So don't crucify me right side up like Jesus. Crucify me in another manner because I'm not worthy to die the death Jesus died. What makes a man that would stand there and say, I'm ready to die? What would make a man? Why would Bartholomew literally sit there while they're filleting the flesh off his his body, peeling him alive and doing that and telling him to denounce God and to turn away from Christianity, turn away from being a disciple of God? What makes a man stay there and absorb that abuse, that punishment? What is it about him? Because somewhere along the way, These men made a decision. They made a choice at that beach years ago that I'm going to be a disciple of God. I'm going to follow after God. And it doesn't matter what you do to this body. You can destroy this body. But my heart and soul belong to my God. And you cannot. You will not. You can take my breath. But you cannot take my heart. Stand to your feet this morning. In Jesus, they found someone worth losing everything for. Some of us are all concerned about what we have to give up to follow Christ without realizing what you get in return when you do. 1 John 2, 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. If I say I'm in God and God is in me, then I only have one choice to live my life like Jesus did. 
Remember WWJD? What would Jesus do? It's a great reminder. So next time you're in an argument or on the verge of an argument with your spouse, stop, husband, wife, stop for a moment. And remember, I am a follower of Christ. And the purpose of my life is to look like my master. How would he respond to the situation? The next time you find that drug calling your name and you feel like you're about to take that drug, step over the line. You need to stop and begin to just realize, God, what would Jesus do? How would my God respond to this situation? He created me to, to, to have dominion, to have dominion over the, the fish of the sea, the plants of the ground, my, and, the, and the, the livestock, which means I can't allow beer, wine. I can't allow those things that grow from the ground, weed, heroin, cocaine I can't allow a plant to overcome my life I was created to overcome those those will not overcome me disciple follower I'm not saying we call, stop calling ourselves Christians I'm just saying that we start living like one Lift your hands all over this place just for a moment. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.